Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Buckets, Boards and Blocks is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Buckets, Boards and Blocks is hosted by a former Georgetown Hoyer who likes nothing better than a well-executed fade screen and thinks DC ballers are the smartest. A lover of threes in transition, Monica McNutt. Welcome into this week's episode of Buckets, Boards and Blocks, people. And I am pumped about this week's guest. I mean, I get pretty pumped about all our guests, but this one's special because Standing knew me when I was trying to take down Maryland and UConn in a Georgetown jersey, although we did take down Maryland, to be clear. And then we worked together at NBC Sports Washington back when it was CSN, and we've just kind of supported one another, which I truly appreciate. Um, and now Ben Standig is the new Wizards and Redskins reporter with The Athletic DC. Yes, Standig, did I get that right? You you did. Uh, I Yeah, I, I've, I've been working like multiple beats for years, and I apparently can't give that up, so... Uh, thrilled, thrilled to be with the athletic, and yes, very exciting to be here and to watch your rise uh, up the ranks. Quite, quite exciting. Your broadcasting career almost as good as your jump shot. <laughs> we won't get into that time where we did the media thing with the Wizards to see who really had skills, and I completely embarrassed myself, and I felt so bad because I know that you were rooting for me. <laughs> I think I put an actual bet with a bookie on you to win, and then uh, I had to, I had to hide for a couple weeks, but we worked it out. Yeah, my bad standing. But let's get right into it. I'm super pumped for you. And you're right. You are a guy that has been steeped in DMV, DC sports. There's a lot happening around the Wiz, but there's also not a lot happening. Just kind of what is your general take on what they've done in free agency? We know Mo Wagner, a guy that they have been high on the draft process, is headed to DC. What's the biggest thing that stands out to you? where the Wizards sit right now, heading into, well, at the beginning of July 2019. So it's sort of weird. Like, on the, I'll, I'll start positive. The Wizards were in a really rough position at the end of the year. They, were, they had no salary cap space. They had John Wall. Uh, his Supermax contract was kicking in right at the time. He's recovering from a torn Achilles that could keep him out most, if not all, of next season. Other than Bradley Beal, they really didn't have – much to work with, and they had a bunch of guys in free agency, and there was a lot of reason. There was there was not much hope the way I looked at the situation, and they have at least attempted to sort of plan for the future. They've made a few maneuvers. Uh, they've they've now they had no second round picks of their own between this year and 2024. They've now added like three or four second round picks, making a few deals. They made a trade with the Lakers that helped LA create that sort of third salary cap slot that maybe they use on Kawhi or, or, or whatever. Um, and they add the, for the Wizards, they added three young players from the Lakers, including the aforementioned Mo Wagner. So they've 
and they also had the, the draft. They, you know, they drafted Rui Hachimura. So all of a sudden, the teams didn't have much in the sort of their minor league system, as it were. Has now got some some options. That said, oh man, the the the, the immediate roster is really looks like it's taking some major steps backwards, even from a team that went 32 and 50 last year. The Wizards were really bad defensively last year, and it somehow it looks like they're going to be worse based on the current lineup. I mean, they're, they're point guards for this year. Instead of it being, obviously, the injured John Wall or Thomas Sadoransky, it's now going to be a, 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 the, the, you know, the five-foot-nothing combination of uh, Isaiah Thomas and Ish Smith. They, they're starting forwards right now. I suspect they're not actually on the roster. I don't even know who's going to start for them, but I would be surprised if it's anybody who's currently on the team. Uh, Thomas Bryant, who they just re-signed in, uh, in re- restricted for agency, a good move. He's probably their second-best player on the team, and whatever Thomas Bryant will be, that he can't be your second-best player. So they are in a real tough spot for next year, and even the things they've done to build up for the future are not like, oh, wow, this is so amazing. So the Wizards are definitely in a weird spot beyond Bradley Beal, and uh, I don't know what – it's hard for me to look at this and be overly optimistic, but I'm trying. I don't know. We're going a little DC heavy in depth on this one. Does it start for you in terms of leadership? Like, we've had questions about that general manager spot for the Wizards for a while. And is Tommy Shepard technically still the interim? Uh, Yeah, he is the interim. They fired Ernie Grunfeld after 16 years on April 2nd. And it's, you know, uh, we've now crossed the three-month, I don't know if anniversary is the right thing, but we've now crossed the (laughs) three-month mark since, since that happened. And, Tommy Shepard's been running the show. He, he's, he was Grunfeld's longtime number two, a very capable person. A lot of people in the league think he should probably just get the job. Okay, but either way, he hasn't been given that title official, uh, officially. They, they, the Wizards looked at some other options. Uh, I reported that they were waiting on Masai Ujiri. Regardless, he's not leaving Toronto, and the owner, the Wizards owner claimed that was never happening, but you'd have to explain to me what they, what they were there for waiting for all this time, and they still haven't named uh, Shepard the, the official. In any event, yeah, it's 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 a bizarre circumstance, and uh, you know, as with any organization, and I I probably don't have to tell this to Knicks uh, fans, but in any organization, sports or otherwise, everything starts at the top, and uh, you know, it, it's questionable what exactly the plan from the Wizards is. Are they rebuilding? Are they trying to stay afloat in the playoff chase? They're trying to give the perception that they're trying to stay afloat. Why not just name somebody three months in, letting an interim run the draft and free agency? to then possibly go hire somebody else. Uh, it's a lot of bizarre, a lot of bizarre circumstances that Tommy Shepard just had. He, he, it's not like, don't blame him for any of this. He inherited the mess and he's trying to figure out what to do, but it, the direction is very unclear right now for, uh, for the Wizards. Okay, where do you stand, Nandik? Because you've seen this team fight in the playoffs and get what were it, a, a game shy of the Eastern Conference Finals with three years back now. Um, you've watched this team kind of go through the ebbs and flows. You've seen crazy contracts, crazy drafts, Paul Pierce era, he called game. What would you do? Are you team ship Bradley built away, blow it up and truly rebuild? So it's a different question on most of you had asked me this a few weeks ago, like pre-draft, pre-free agency, because um, I, I was, I think it's an incredibly difficult decision what to do with Bradley Beal. He's now, he just turned 26 last week. So still a very young player in his prime. He, he, he's an ascending talent. 
He's a great locker room player for a team that not only needs to upgrade its roster, but like change its culture. This is a guy you want and sort of leading, leading the way. And so I wouldn't want to get rid of him if I don't have to. And he's got two years left on a contract that's going to pay him $52 million. That's obviously an insane amount of money in the real world. In the NBA world, that's considered to be a, a reasonable contract for what you're getting. So especially when you consider some of the money that's been thrown around this off season to Jimmy Butler, D'Angelo Russell and others. Um, so there's reason, I think what the Wizards general plan is try to ride out this season, get rid of the remaining bad contracts on the roster. Hopefully John Wall is healthy and see where you're at after that year and see if you can convince Bradley Beal that you're going in the right direction. And I'm okay with that plan and probably would have largely endorsed it rather than say trade him for a bunch of picks and then have a, 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 a leaderless locker room and, and really not sure what you have. The problem is they've gone, it's gone so far the other way. Like I said, I don't even know. I, I mean, yeah. I don't want to be an alarmist, but I don't see the Wizards. Are the Wizards winning 20 games with this current lineup? I, I just don't oh see it. <laughs> yeah, so I, so that's my problem. Uh, I don't know what you do. If, if, are you, are you going to be able to convince Bradley Beal that you're going in the right direction? If you're not, then maybe you do want to trade him now when his market value is as high as it will be over the next two years. But I, I, it, it, I, I, two weeks ago I would have said don't trade him. Now I'm a little more inclined to think maybe you should consider it because things have just gone so far the other way. So, and here's the thing with Brad. In the locker room, you're right. He's fantastic. He's jovial. I think he's thoughtful with his answers. He is a person that is connected. We saw him pick up the Community Assist Award from the league. The work that he's done at Ron Brown has been incredible. But do you see a world, like, I don't even want to ask you, is he happy? Because Brad just strikes me as one of those guys that takes happiness with him. Um, and so to me, DC has suited him well. But do you see a situation where his agents, Mark Bartlestein and Reggie Brown, are like, listen, like, in today's NBA, stars have power and they force their way out? Right. I think that's the problem. I think Brad, by his nature, is not that guy. I don't foresee an Anthony Davis situation. Um, I just don't think Beal's in that. And the one positive thing for, for Bradley Beal is that, you know, unfortunately for the Wizards, John Wall's injury has taken him off the court. But for Bradley Beal, I think it has given a chance for him to be the man in the spotlight. The last two years, in both, in both years when John Wall went out, the Wizards immediately began to play at a higher level. And I know people ask the question, are the Wizards better off with John Wall? And I've always framed it as, look what the Wizards are doing under Bradley Beal. Uh, that, to me, is the key. He's been able to – people are recognizing how good this guy is, and now he'll really be the face of this franchise going into this season, something he's never had before. It's always John Wall on the poster if you're going to have one guy. And now it's Bradley Beal. And it's not that he's an egomaniac, although obviously all these guys are on some level. Um, but, like, you know, he gets that opportunity to, to be the front man, which he has not had before. So I think that is one thing that actually could be interesting for him. But he's such a he, – he is – we always talk about these guys. You know, these people talk about wanting to win. I think some guys, it's lip service. With him, it's a real deal. I think it really pains him when, when they don't win, win. Even last year when they were clearly out of the playoffs, he's playing 40 minutes a game and doing work on both ends of the court. And like I said, I don't know how I look at this Wizards team right now and see one that's competitive, that even can think about being the eighth seed. You know, I don't see what could even happen. So that's where I think it becomes a challenge. Do they Have they gone so far the other way that – and which may be the right move for them. I'm not arguing it's not, but, like, has it gone so far that a guy like Brad is like, look, I'm in the prime of my career. You only have so many years. I don't want to waste this year and probably next year 
playing with, with effectively a rebuild unless you really show me that you believe that, I, you know, a, a plan. And right now, like we said, they don't even have a general manager. It's hard to feel too confident about what the Wizards are doing if they can't even get their own house in order. So, yeah, I do think that that's why I'm saying I'm leaning back more towards considering a trade. It may be too late. Team, you, you probably have already limited your market, right, because teams have now made their own moves. They've gone out and signed players and, and done things, and that's probably why it probably is not wise to do it now. But I do think you have to consider it just for what you said. You don't want Bradley Beal coming to you, even if it's more subtly than what Anthony Davis' side did. You don't want him coming to you and say, hey, I want out of here. And then you're kind of forced to, to make a move. Oh, it's going to be, you know, as much as we love our hoops in D.C., it really, I know that our city really gets up when the football team is doing well. But I think when the basketball team is doing well, too, that we wake up in a different kind of way because it is such a hotbed for hoops. So this year, I, I don't know, Standing. I mean, to hear you voice potentially only a 21 season is like, oh, God. But, I mean, that could be very, very real. But you brought up a point that and neither one of us can see the future. But we've watched John deal with various injuries. And, obviously, this is the most severe we've seen for him in terms of the ligaments involved and the recovery time. What do you even see there when he comes back? Well, and that's part of the thing. Like normally, when we talk about teams that have gone down to the bottom, I mean, again, to use your, you know, to, to, to use the Knicks. I mean, last year they had a, a team that they, you know, they, they had young players. They didn't really have. I think I'm correct. They didn't have like these owners' contracts, and you can at least sort of see. Even though I get it, it's a, <laughs> it's a, uh, it's a tough climb, and it's been forever and a day for being competitive. But like, okay, like you could imagine a world where you start piecing these young players together and you have the cap space. I know, again, I get it. It didn't quite work out this offseason the way people wanted. But at least you could envision a world in which that could happen. The Wizards, that that isn't happening. Not only are they bottom, bottoming out, you have John Wall's Supermax contract that's going to pay him $171 million over the next four seasons. You can't just, like, that's one-third of their cap. You can't just – you know, bull, you know, snap your fingers and make that go away. Uh, nobody's going to want to take that contract on and give you fair value for for him if he's a good player. But we don't know what he is. It, this is a serious injury. The, the the doctor who who performed the procedure told reporters that John is sort of like a guinea pig on some level with this kind of injury because we're we're talking about a, a an athletic a guy who got by another athleticism and speed and he's dealing with a, a, a torn Achilles. We don't quite know what he's going to be. If he, you know, is he ninety percent? Is that good? That that sounds like he'd be a bargain everybody would sign up for. But we don't know what that means. And if he's not a guy who can still blow by defenders, if he still can't run that four three forty, now he's running a four five forty. If he can't get by the defenders, get to the lane, get to the foul line, what what is he? He's not a great outside shooter. Um, he's not a guy you play off the ball. So that is such a big question. But even if he does cut, but if he can come back, it'd be close to the all-star level or maybe even be at the same level he was at with Beal. By next season, you'll have those two guys, uh, Troy Brown, their first-round pick last year, Rui Hachimura, their first-round pick this year. If they would, well, assuming we have another lottery pick next year, they've added some seconds, Mo Wagner, guys like that. Then you can start to see, okay, maybe there's a, a path here going forward. But I just said a lot of ifs and buts, and, and you know, we know how that goes. So, uh, it, it's really hard to project the Wizards' future with so much uncertainty overall and specifically with Wall's uh, physical status. So, yay, Wizards. Hey, Ben, uh, this is Bruce. Um, I was wondering about one of the other backcourt guys that's on their roster right now. Um, 
Isaiah Thomas, I'm a Celtics fan and a great admirer of Isaiah, and he certainly did well against the Wizards in the playoffs a couple of years ago. But knowing that Wall will be back at some point, is Isaiah really just simply there to try and get whatever numbers he can get this year and hopefully find a better contract with another team or maybe be sent somewhere at the trade deadline? Yeah, I mean, the, the sense I had from the Wizards going into free agency essentially was, they were not looking to take on long-term contracts, and ideally they were looking for guys who were, who were, I guess, effectively hungry and saw the opportunity of minutes more than were craving the dollars. Isaiah Thomas is a perfect candidate for that. He only played, I think, what, like less than 20 games last year for Denver. He's been dealing with, with various injuries since that great season he had with Boston. Hasn't come close to being that sort of MVP caliber player, and he certainly – wants the opportunity to show that he's healthy and, and can can do can do things that we saw before. Whether he can, again, I mean, who the heck knows? I wouldn't even begin to project what the, what version of Isaiah Thomas the Wizards get. But, yeah, it's about reestablishing himself as a legitimate player in this league for the Wizards. It's just hopefully they get a guy who can give Bradley Beal some scoring help. They, I mean, other than Bradley Beal, I don't know if there's a single guy on the roster that I can say is a proven – score somebody who can you know get their own Isaiah Thomas he showed he could do that obviously with Boston but that's you know feels like that's forever ago and uh, you know in his case he's such a you know he's not the biggest guy obviously and you know if you're if you're losing your quickness that, that becomes a major problem he's already going to be a defensive liability so yeah it's all about the Wizards taking a chance that this guy can help the, help them bridge the season with John Wall out, and for him to get a shot at at minutes and see if he can you know resurrect his uh, his value. One guy who was on Boston this past year that I think you made a Twitter uh, reference to in the last few days is Marcus Morris, who's got a brother, Markeith Morris, and those two always seem like uh, they're always so much better together. What's the deal there? Is is, is it possible those two are going to be teammates in Washington? I would be stunned if they if they join forces together in the in Washington. I can see them getting back together. I think we all know that they 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 didn't want to be apart. That's why they took less money originally with with Phoenix to stay together, and then Phoenix traded Marcus, and then things went awry. Um, you know, Marcus thrived last year with the Celtics. Mar- Markeith was pretty good for the Wizards his first say year and a half, but then he got injured and his game sort of slid off. Last year was really frustrating for him. Uh, between some injuries and you know i think he was one of those guys on the withers who wasn't always maybe giving full-throated effort on both ends of the court um i i think i could look i think they're part of the Kawhi leonard chess game they're, they're both reps now by rich paul lebron's agent i suspect if Kawhi doesn't go there i would be i would bet good money that both the morrises end up with the lakers as part of that contingency plan if Kawhi goes to um the lakers i don't think they would take the minimum which I, which is pretty much what the Lakers could afford but maybe at that point they they uh you know that they latch on somewhere else so the Wizards definitely need forward help I guess anything is possible but I would be surprised if they make that kind of uh expenditure and and that the, the Morrises would, would would see the Wizards as a viable place but look I I, I joke and, and but I'm serious if they want to come here I'll I'll chip into the GoFundMe account because for a Wizards team that might struggle to win games, those two are highly entertaining, and I'm all about the the, the bits because we may not have a ton of uh, else to write about next year. 
Shout out to Standick putting his money where his mouth is. There's more coming up with my guy Ben Standick of The Athletic. But first, a few words from Pure Hoops Media. All of our shows are cool, so you definitely should be listening to every single one of them. Thanks for listening to this one, Buckets, Boards, and Blocks, with me, Monica McNutt. I'm here every Thursday. My DC brother, Mike Wise, has the Mike Wise Show every Monday with some of the best stories and interviews anywhere. There are far too many to mention, seriously, so check him out. The other midweek show is Catch and Shoot with Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko on Wednesday. This week, they had a dope hour with the former Bull and Spur, Will Perdue. Will won four titles with the Bulls and Spurs and told MJ and pop stories you've probably never heard. Finally, it's the Pure Hoops podcast on Friday with Will's teammate in Chicago, DJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. Please listen to all of our shows. You will be glad that you did. Welcome back to Buckets, Boards and Blocks. My guest this week is the tremendous, the dutiful, the rooted and embedded DC journalist, Ben Standick, who's now covering both the Wizards and the Washington Redskins for The Athletic. Standick, we obviously dug in on the home teams, but you're a guy that covers the NBA. What were your thoughts on free agency this year? Just in general, I think I'm going to, I know I asked you the question, but as the host, I'm going to answer. I was slightly astonished at what Brooklyn was able to pull off, but I also understand that we're in a different place in the league than I think we were. And obviously I'm spending a lot of time in New York with MSG and I get it. The Knicks are the franchise. They have the name, the power, the backing, but NBA players have shown us left and right that this is a whole new ball game. So in a way, I wasn't actually surprised. Yeah, I mean, I, I think to, for where Brooklyn was, what, three, four seasons ago, um, having, you know, coming off the horrendous trade, you know, for, for Pierce and Garnett that may go down as like the worst trade in NBA history in terms of just the assets, the sheer number of assets given up and, and where they were to be in a position just a few years later to to not just I mean to, just to be in position where even guys like Kevin Durant, Kyrie, or even think about going there would have been a win. The fact that they both decided to go there is quite remarkable. And yet, and so the the organization deserves a ton of credit. GM Sean Marks and others, wow, amazing. That said, it's such it's such a bizarre dynamic because they're giving Kevin Durant uh, Kevin Durant the the, the max knowing he won't play this year and he's coming off an Achilles injury, just like John Wall. And you don't quite know what level he'll be back at. Then that you get Kyrie Irving who just tore, helped torpedo a Celtics team that, that, that was looking to be like a juggernaut going into last year. And you won't even have both of them together for a, a full year. And Ky, that Kyrie's got his own injury history. So it's such a weird thing. On the one hand, like I said, major kudos to the Nets for pulling this off. But there's still a lot of questions about what they're ultimately going to be. And even if, you know, is, is Durant and, and Kyrie, is that really like, I mean, and, and there's, they have more pieces than that, obviously. The, the Spencer Dinwiddies and Jared Allens and Karis Averts, Brooklyn's got a pretty, a pretty deep team. But, you know, is Durant and Irving at the top, is that going to win a title? I think that's interesting. I, I, I don't know if I can sit here and say for sure. I'm not, I'm kind of off the, the Kyrie bandwagon for sure and, and Durant the injury. So it's weird that it was such a, a, a great scenario. They deserve all the kudos, and yet at the same time, it's loaded with question marks compared to the usual scenarios where the where team pulls off these big moves and you're like, okay, immediate title contender with Brooklyn. It's sort of on hold at least for a year. That's a great way to put it, being on hold. And I 
So of the two things that you said, I'm all in on KD. I still would have given KD a max if I had one to give him because unlike John, I don't see where his game is as predicated on bounce. So he'll still be able to rise and elevate. I get that that's a gamble, but that's one that I would have been willing to take. But the point you make about Kyrie and Bruce, I know he was in Boston. That's where, you know, that's your team. That's the point for me. That's the point because as talented as he is, and I get that this Brooklyn team doesn't necessarily look the same way the focus did when he was at it, but as talented as he is, I mean, what are we going to get? Like, I don't know, Bruce. I don't know if you want to chime in on this one. I just don't know what we're going to get. Well, you know, one of the first things that I thought of when when Kyrie uh, and the Nets got together was, are we looking at deja vu all over again? Because what happened in Boston was that he didn't provide the leadership in a young locker room. He was barking at some of the younger guys, I think shattered the confidence of some. Others probably just tuned him out at some point. And now in Brooklyn, you're kind of putting him into a similar spot, right? Because KD's not there next year. So he's not going to be a daily presence on the court. So in that first year, I mean, if they were both together from day one, I wouldn't necessarily feel this way. But knowing that KD's going to be on the sidelines that first year, is Kyrie... Has he learned enough to sort of say, uh-uh, I'm going to change my game? Or is Kyrie going to be Kyrie and whatever happens, happens? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like if you wanted to get Durant, you had to accept that Kyrie was part of the package. And I think part of my question is why, for Kevin Durant, why did he want to last, attach himself to Kyrie? I mean, granted, Kyrie wanted, you know, hit one of the biggest shots in NBA Finals history – to in game seven for the Cavaliers. So, you know, we're talking about an incredibly talented player who has shined on the biggest stage. For me, oftentimes when we talk about who are the best players, I don't, I, I skip past the regular season and I go straight to those big clutch moments that ultimately are the defining moments. Some guys live up to the hype and, and some, or live up to the moment, and some don't. Kyrie has, but you still got to get there. And, and his behavior, attitude has not been conducive. In, in, in some situations for that. So it's weird to me that Durant sort of latched on to him. I suspect we may also have to reassess all the things we have assumed about Kevin Durant over the years as he's demonstrated his own curious behavior, which, by the way, is to not say it's any different than the rest of us who are, you know, got our own, our own weirdness, but he's on that stage, and, you know, you got to make an assessment. You know, he's very – it's clear Kevin Durant is very much into legacy. That's a big part of why he seemed to – have issues with his time in Golden State and why he left, in part. And so, if you're gonna, if that's a big deal, you're admitting it as much. Then to go to the Nets, a, a team that like doesn't really, you know, it's, it's obviously second in that city. I don't even think it's gonna change. You guys are no better than me. I don't even think that changes, even if they have some big success uh, there, because it's just too ingrained. The history is just too ingrained with the Knicks. So he's gonna go with. He went to the second team last on with a with a guy who is you know, suspect in some ways in terms of being a, a, a leader. And uh, I don't know. But that said, the Nets organization is, again, wildly impressive what they've been able to do. Maybe their infrastructure is such that they'll be able to work around, uh, you know, Kyrie's fault and, and help Durant feel better about his own his own self, his own worth, and, and that they'll believe in him. And clearly Durant is the biggest thing that the Nets have ever had. So why wouldn't they? So, yeah, it'll be fascinating in time to see what they do. And 
uh, man, I just feel bad for the Knicks fans who have to, who are now going to have to watch this thing unfold while they ponder a life where they, you know, I guess everybody thought they were going to get Zion, Durant, and Kyrie, and instead they get R.J. Barrett, uh, Bobby Porters, and Julius Randle or something like that. So, yeah, it's good luck to that fan base. Hey, don't forget Taj Gibson, right? I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm sure he'll be a difference maker in New York. They can go from 17 wins to – well, there's nowhere to go but up for the Knicks anyway, right? I mean, when you – you go 17 and 65, it almost doesn't matter what you add. You're going to be better than that. Um, I think, you know, the whole Kyrie thing to me is fascinating. I think in some ways, you know, as a Celtics fan, watching him when he was in Boston, he's mesmerizing with his skills. He is He can do things with the basketball that I don't think I've ever seen anybody do. So at the very least, he's going to make the crowd uh, ooh and ah. But, you know, they seem to be building such a nice culture there in Brooklyn. I just hope that he's smart enough to realize, you know what, let, let me have a fresh start here. Katie's coming next year. The expectations won't be crazy like they were in Boston. Maybe he can become a little bit more of like the big brother in the locker room. I, I hope he does because I really do like him and I love watching him play. Yeah, well, I mean, well, well look, I, I like to believe that we as human beings improve, get better, evolve, what have you. We learn from our mistakes. I hope to think I have, and I, I, I try not to – I try in this realm to view the basketball players just like the rest of us. They're humans who make mistakes, and they just happen to be on big on center stage. Kyrie, just some of the things he says and does, he's just like, oh, man, what? <laughs> What's going on here? And uh, we'll see. It's going to be – you know, he, he – and look, the one thing he – there's no, there's no KD this year. The stage is—it's his stage. He's the—he's the leader. He's the front man, and we'll see how he does um, in that spot. Knowing, I assume, he recognizes all the criticism he received from Boston, and like you said, like I said, he'd like to think he's—he learns. We'll see. All right. So Ben Standig of the Athletic, thank you for being so generous with your time, my friend. Now this is how we wrap things here on the BBB Pod. Before we let you go, I've got to ask you for a bucket, board, or a block. You're going to pick one. A bucket is something you love. A++ for this thing. A board is something that didn't look great when it happened, but it has some silver lining to it. Then I want you to think about a rebound. Get it? Board. Okay. And finally, the block is something that's trash. Get that out of here. We're blocking it. We don't want it. All right, Ben. Your bucket, board, or block. Let's have it. Ooh, that's fun. Um... I guess I'll go with Bucket and give me the, the 76ers. I'm still not 100% sure what they how it's going to work, but they were in such a weird spot that, that you know they had Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris as max contract as a possible max contract guys with their in entry for agency. If you let them go, you give up a lot of assets to get them, but if you bring them back like if Jimmy Butler is that how combustible is that? But if you you know Jimmy Butler also was like the one guy you knew you could count on in the playoffs. Uh, ben Simmons, I don't believe in Ben Simmons completely. And then you hear the rumors Jimmy Butler is going to probably go somewhere else in a sign and trade. And you're like, well, what are they going to do? And then they they keep Tobias Harris. They make the trade the sign and trade with Miami to to get in Josh Richardson, who's such an interesting two way player. And then the hammer, they snake Al Horford away from the Celtics, and and now he's going to be there with Joel Embiid, a, a guy Horford who's always the consummate locker room leader, and so he's just going to be such an adult in the room. That seems like that could be such an important thing for Joel Embiid and maybe even Simmons as well. 
and their starting five is incredibly fascinating. Maybe it's the best starting five in the league, maybe, depending on what the Lakers end up with. Oh, wow. But on the other hand, but on the other hand, it's just got – I don't know how the, the floor spacing works with Ben Simmons. There's going to be a lot of pressure on Ben Simmons to get to, – to be able to show he can make a shot, uh, you know, but defensively, that could be really interesting. I, I I don't know if it's maybe a bucket purely in this way, in the way that you're sort of saying. Because I'm not saying it's like a home run, but on the other hand, I think it's just incredibly fascinating to see what they can pull off over time, and if they can figure out how to make it work, they could easily be the favorite in the Eastern Conference. Uh, you know, in you know nine months. Wow, we're ready to dethrone. Well, we got to see what Kawhi is going to do. We're ready to dethrone even the Bucks, though. I, I mean. I, I I think they're the, I think the I think the Sixers potentially they just had the, they were so interesting last year but you could just feel the tension the chaos it felt like all year because Jimmy Jimmy Butler is combustible and the Ben Simmons Joel Embiid thing seemed to have some friction and Ben Simmons' game is so odd and adding Al Horford he's just such a consummate pro I, I just think that's a pretty interesting move and and he's somebody who has had success guarding Giannis. Um, which obviously they'll probably have to beat that team in the playoffs. So it's just interesting. But I'm just more fascinated almost by how is it going to work. It's not a clean fit. It's going to require some good coaching from Brett Brown. And I'm just curious to see if they can make it work. If they can, I definitely think they could be the team to beat the East. But I can't. I'm, I won't sit here. I mean, that's what's fascinating about the NBA right now generally. Kawhi will change a few things for sure. But right now – after years where it was obvious at this point in the season who were the top – who was the favorite, who were the top two or three teams in the game, you could probably point to ten teams right now, maybe even more, and say, yeah, that team has a legitimate chance to make a conference finals, and we haven't been in this position for a long time in the NBA. So it's fascinating right there, and the Sixers are right there at the top of teams who really could be a heavy favorite. But at the same point, there's questions for sure. That's what makes it so interesting. It's going to be an interesting one for sure. And this was a very interesting pod. Standig, my friend, thank you for your wisdom, your wit. You provoked some thoughts here. I like that answer on the Sixers. Certainly a squad to watch. Ben Standig of The Athletic. Make sure you check him out, read his work. He's bomb on both Wizards and Redskins. Standig, thanks, my guy. Monica, anything for you. Appreciate it. Continued (laughs) success. Good luck over there. Thank you. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. Man, Standick gave us lots to think about if you're rooting for the Wizards. But sometimes, you know, we've seen in the league, you got to go through a process, whether it was Philly or now look where Brooklyn is to the point that he made during the conversation. This week, I'm picking a board. You guys know I've been spending time in New York, attached to the New York Knicks and MSG Networks. I'm going to go with this year's free agency being a board for the Knicks. I get it. They were supposed to be the team to attract the big-time free agents and turn this whole thing around, and it didn't pan out that way. But I think in the large, grand scheme of things, you got to give them credit for displaying some restraint and going with young guys and some veterans to build around what they have. I know Knicks fans don't want to hear wait any longer, but sometimes that's life. And eventually the franchise could legitimately be turned around and they would have done it by making smart moves and showing restraint. Tough pill to swallow for New York Knicks fans, but I think it'll get better. I hope I'll certainly be watching and rooting. That's going to do it for this episode of Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. Thanks to my fantastic producer and sidekick, Bruce. 
We could put two Bs in front of that. That would give us three Bs, you get it? And then Ben, same thing, my editor, Ben Wolfen. Um, my guest, Ben Standig, it was fantastic. Definitely check out the quick hitters. They are focused, briefer pods that Adam Stanko and Eric Newman are crushing, talking about free agency and what teams need. So check in and see what they've got to say about your favorite players or your favorite teams. That's going to do it. Have a fantastic and safe 4th of July holiday. Until we chat again, enjoy your hoops. Buckets, Boards and Blocks with Monica McNutt has been a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. 